Our scripture today comes from James 4, verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. For the last uh, many, many months, I have been talking about one subject pretty much alone, that's spirituality, and and that's kind of opened up the door here to, because when you talk about spirituality, we're talking about what the Holy Spirit is able to do. We can't be spiritual people apart from the Holy Spirit, can we? Is that right? So if we have spirituality, it is because the Holy Spirit has been at work to bring that about in our lives. And so I wanted to talk about that. Um, 100 years ago, about 120 years ago, actually, strange things were happening during camp meetings in Michigan. Camp meetings were quite a phenomenon back in, then, in, the, in those days. Uh, many different churches used them. They would draw tremendous amounts of people into some area where they would gather together and they would spend, oh, maybe a week, maybe two weeks living on these grounds and being inspired and changed by the meetings that would take place. And they were just not Adventists. They were all different kinds of people that were doing camp meetings in those days. Well, 120 years ago, strange things were happening in the camp meetings in Michigan. A revival had taken over. Not unusual for a camp meeting. Some present at that camp meeting stated that it was equal to the 1844 revival as people were expecting the Lord to come. And they were very thrilled. In fact, people that went through that wrote down some of their comments and they said that it was the sweetest, most powerful time in their entire existence. It was a wonderful, transformative experience expecting the Lord to come. And it wasn't just something... I want to make this really clear that they were feeling it it was something the Holy Spirit caused them to feel. It was brought on by God's Spirit. And it was powerful. But in, in 120 years ago, this, some people said, what was happening at this camp meeting in Michigan, surpassed even 1844. Elder O.A. Olson said, we had some droppings of the latter rain. <laughs> in the afternoon, there was not less than 50 on their feet to speak, and between 20 and 30 were speaking at once. While many were speaking, yet it sounded as one voice of praise and glory to God for his wonderful love and salvation in Christ Jesus. Now, what happened in this camp meeting in Michigan was the power of the Holy Spirit came in such presence that it took over the lives so powerfully that it changed everybody in an instant. Remember we talked about that last week? How long does it take? An instant. And you're changed. Everything changes. The Holy Spirit comes in and you feel differently. You act differently. What you say is different. And took over the meeting in such a powerful way that nobody could doubt that this was supernatural. Well, Michigan wasn't alone. The same phenomena spread across the land. 
Now, I mentioned Olson, he was General Conference President at the time, where he reported that it was by far the best camp meeting season that we had ever had. By the end of October in 1892, W.A. Colcord, he was the secretary of the General Conference, he was convinced that something was about to happen. 1892. You getting the sequence of the dates here? What happened in 1888? General Conference session about righteous by faith? That was a painful experience. People were so angry and upset with each other, it seems like, that it just about broke Ellen White's heart going through that. People didn't want to have anything. They, they, they considered their brothers and sisters in the faith that have a different viewpoint as mortal enemies. It was horrible. She went away just sick from that experience. And then she began camp meetings. And the camp meetings that followed 1888, talking to the people about the sweetest message that God had given, was beginning to have an effect. It was beginning to turn people around. And Colcord said, November 22, 1892, just a little bit after that, uh, the loud cry of the third angel has already begun in the revelation of the righteousness of Christ. This is the beginning of the light of the angel whose glory shall fill the whole earth. He was convinced of it. Something was happening. Uh, I'm going to back off a little bit, go back a little bit earlier. Some of you knew about an evangelist called Finney, Charles Finney. Does that sound familiar to you? I've got a book that I've been picking up and looking at lately. And it's Finney recording his events of his life and the revivals, the different things that were taking place. And he talks about this in such a, a down-to-earth way. I'm reading one story just, just right away, and it was, it was about his desire. He was feeling called to go to Rochester. But in Rochester, there was churches there that wanted him to come, but there was fighting, there was angry, there was disputes, all kinds of stuff. And he thought, no, 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 the Holy Spirit doesn't want me. So he, he got other people to give them advice. And they said, no, 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 don't go there. So he decided to go to Utica instead, New York. And so he went in that direction, and he thought, this is the right thing to do. Everybody was thinking this was the right thing to do. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Did you hear what I just said? The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now all of you, I think, know what that feels like. It gets your attention. It goes way down deep. It comes to the depths of your heart. And it's something that's very hard to dismiss. And it spoke to him. And, and the Holy Spirit basically said, the reasons that you are acting on to not go to Rochester are the very reasons why I want you to go to Rochester. <laughs> and so, as a man, and this is really important, who had learned that he needs to follow one voice, whose voice? Goes way down deep inside of each one of us. And he had learned to obey that voice, and so he just told his wife, we're packing up and we're moving to Rochester. And no one understood the reasons why except the Holy Spirit. And when they went to Rochester, he began to hold meetings. And I tell you, the meetings that they were, uh, the, the, they were, the building they were holding their meetings in, the building started to fall apart. 
It started to settle, and people thought the thing, the tower was going to come down on church and come through and crash and kill everybody. They just exited out of the building. They ran for their life. All kinds of problems got in their way. But 100,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Almost all the lawyers in that town, it, it, it went to a high level, changed people's lives. So when the Holy Spirit speaks, and when we follow in the power of what the Holy Spirit tells us to do, amazing things happen. Last night at our, our little prayer meeting, our little Bible class study, I told you about that in John 17, you know, and I thought, I says, why is it that today Christianity is so powerless? It almost seems as though it's irrelevant in our world today. It's not that way where the Holy Spirit is working. Mission Spotlight, I don't know if they call that that today. I don't know what the name is, the thing that we saw here. Okay. And you saw the, the one in, in, in China. It's amazing. 7,000 people in this church and they're planting all kinds of churches all the time. Did you hear what that lady said? It was the Holy Spirit that started all of this. She, a lady just following God's Holy Spirit and can today, the large, one of the largest Seventh-day Adventist churches, probably one of the top three largest Seventh-day Adventist churches in the entire world. China! Led by a woman who was simply listening to the Holy Spirit. That is just amazing. And so, you know, I'm entirely wrong in my statement whenever the Holy Spirit is involved. When the Holy Spirit is involved, there is no force that can turn aside what God wants to do. Even buildings falling down right in the middle. Something gets in the heart of people and they recognize this is not men. This is God talking. This is not men doing. This is God doing. And that can turn everything around. Well, going back, the Sabbath, uh, after Colcord talked, um, Elder Jones spoke. Um, by the way, um, what was his first name? Daniel Jones? Was that his first name? <laughs> kind of gave you a little absolutely nonsense bit of information. For a while, Sam Alexander pre, uh, was, he preceded me as pastor of the Fort Bragg Church 30-some-odd years ago. He went to Hillsburg. Later on, I would go to Hillsburg. And they have a pulpit in the Hillsburg Church that Ellen White spoke from. It's a tiny little thing. It's down about here. Little beautiful wooden pulpit. And it's funny, the stupid stuff that pops into your mind. Elder Jones spoke from that pulpit, and he was quite a dramatic speaker, much more than me. And the people still remember the time when he lifted up one of his legs and he just threw it across the top of that pulpit. He was a tall fellow. <laughs> I guess you didn't sleep through his sermons, huh? <laughs> interesting character. But Elder Jones, an interesting guy. Stirring sermon. I think it was on a different subject here. Uh, it was on the latter rain, the loud cry at Battle Creek Tabernacle. And in the midst of this revival meeting, the Holy Spirit started to fall. And when the Holy Spirit starts to fall, things are changed instantly, right away. Several hours uh, were taken out of the program. In fact, 
it almost stopped the regular program of the college. And they were following the dictates of God's Spirit. Young people, students coming forward, talking to the Lord, sharing what was in their hearts. I could remember a time like that, and maybe you can too. When I was a student at PUC, um, I remember they would have revival weeks once in a while, and they would have uh, in, uh, what was the name of that hall? up? It's gone now. Was it Irwin? On top of the mountain? Now it's gone. Anyway, Irwin Hall, they would have speakers come in. And just, I mean, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit started to work. And when the Holy Spirit starts to work, it's not just one person or two people. It just comes in with power and it's touching everybody's lives. And they just can't resist. They've got to come forward. I mean, my goodness, their lives have been absolutely, completely, thoroughly changed. And so they would come in. I remember the classes were just dismissed. And they allowed the Holy Spirit time and opportunity just to go forward and to talk to the Lord. And these kids did that. For hours and hours and hours they did that. And every student on that campus knew that God was real and God was alive. And it touched me. And I can still remember. How many of you have experienced something like that in your lifetime? Just show your hands. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's powerful, isn't it? Well, anyway, so he knew that. and He was talking about that. By early December, 500 Adventist farms had been put up for sale. Because when the Holy Spirit comes in, people start changing the entire course of their lives. What is, why were they putting up their farms for sale, Wilma? They wanted to give money to advance the cause. And in those days, that's all they had was their farm. And they would sell their farm. And that's how the Seventh-day Adventist church largely was started and how it blossomed. The Holy Spirit touched people's lives. And I can remember Senior Kellogg, the father of John Harvey. He, would, he was impressed by the Holy Spirit. He had to sell his farm animals. He had these wonderful horses. And he sold these horses so that the publishing house could have a new press. And he used to walk by the publishing house and he said, and I can't remember the names of those horses, and he, he named them and he says, they're still working. <laughs> you know, and that's just the way it was. Loma Linda University, now a trendsetter of medical science clear around the world, started by donations of people that were touched by the Holy Spirit. Just schools, everything happens as a result of all of this. In many ways... The 1893 General Conference session turned out to be an upper room experience of prayer, confession, especially for the unbelief manifested at the previous General Conference session in 1888. An exhortation. Sermons on the promise of the Holy Spirit. The third angel's messages were heard. Uh, they believed that God was ready to pour out his spirit upon a repentant church. Prescott was uncertain there would ever be another general conference session. The Holy Spirit was being felt so strongly that people knew they were being led by God. Jones and Prescott were convinced that the conference 
would not close without a mighty outpouring of the Spirit. Thus, they could not risk being absent from any of the meetings for fear that they would be absent when that Holy Spirit fell. It was an amazing time. I think you have on the back of the bulletin, yeah, take a look at the back of the bulletin. There is a quote. Uh, in January of the next year in South Lancaster, Massachusetts, Ellen White herself is describing what was happening in South Lancaster. Now, I, I'm, I'm saying this simply to remind us that in the early days of the founding of this church, the Holy Spirit was not a stranger. Let me have your eyes. We'll get to the quote in just a second here. Um, the Holy Spirit was not a stranger to the church, nor the church a stranger to the Holy Spirit. And remember what happened in the early days of this church. A small group of people coming from all different kinds of backgrounds were now becoming one. And these people were starting to feel a need to finish God's work on this planet. And they sent missionaries around the world to start schools that just would not quit, started hospitals, publishing houses, training people, changing the world. They did it because of what? Tell me. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Exactly like the disciples did in the book of Acts. Exactly. We have come to this strange place in Seventh-day Adventist history where we have become such beneficiaries of the fruits of what these pioneers did based upon the Holy Spirit that so often we think we can get along fine on our own. We can't. We have been blessed. Some of the most highly educated people in the entire world. We have been noted. I mean, we're well respected around the world nowadays. Those people weren't in that time. We are the beneficiaries of what the Holy Spirit has brought about from those early pioneers. And God is waiting for this generation to recognize what they knew. That you need the Holy Spirit to, for your life to amount to anything. Now to the quote. Back of the bulletin, bottom of the page. Both students and teachers, Ellen White said, have shared largely in the blessing of God. The deep movings of the Spirit of God have been felt upon almost every heart. The general testimony was borne by those who attended the meeting that they had obtained an experience beyond anything they had known before. They testified their joy that Christ had forgiven their sins. Their hearts were filled with thanksgiving and praise to God. Sweet peace was in their souls. You never hear of the Holy Spirit falling and not bringing peace. Wow. They loved everyone, another key ingredient, and felt that they could, re they, they could rest in the love of God. I have never seen a revival work go forward with such thoroughness and yet remain so free from all undue excitement. There was no urging or inviting, 
What was all the Holy Spirit doing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not us. It's the Spirit. It just came in and made it all happen. Did it all. The people were not called forward. There was um, no urging or inviting. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) But there was a solemn realization that Christ came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. How important this is. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes, it's because people recognize their sinfulness. That's a key ingredient. The Holy Spirit will come. And when it comes, it teaches us more about our unworthiness. We are embracing our unworthiness while being filled with all of the power of heaven. It's amazing. The honest in heart were ready to confess their sins and to bring forth fruit to God for repentance and restoration as far as it lay in their power. We seem to breathe in the very atmosphere of heaven. Angels were indeed hovering around. I say this today because I really believe this is where God is taking his church today. He's getting it ready for the next outflowing and infilling of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. And that means that in my heart and in your heart, I think that we ought to start expecting that. I grew up in a day, and maybe you have too, where uh, revivals were extremely rare. (laughs) You didn't see them very often. You hadn't experienced them. And if you did experience them, they were a little scary. You didn't want to get too close for fear that it might touch you. That's the way I grew up. How different than what we have just read about. How different than the disciples. How different from the New Testament. The experience of the apostles. How very, very different. You know, a revival, what does it mean? Coming alive. So if a revival makes you alive, what are you before? (laughs) Can any good thing come out of dead? (laughs) Can you change the world dead? Come alive. We need to come alive. We need to come alive. Wake up and live. To be revived suggests that it is abnormal not to be revived. You do not do CPR or other life-saving techniques to revive persons when they're in their normal state. They are already alive. They have their first love experience. And what did Jesus say to the church of Ephesus? You have lost your love. Yeah. They needed a revival. For I am persuaded, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. God wants us to be alive. If we're in his presence, we will be alive. Most of my ministry... Most of my ministry 
has been the result of my laboring to say it right, <laughs> to try to get it right, and it's been all the result of me, and it can produce nothing better than my own miserable self. That's all it can do. But if I can begin to learn to wait upon the Lord. You've heard me say this in past that now, I, while I preach, am not so worried about what's on the piece of paper. I am listening to God's spirit. Talk to me. And it happened, I mean, I've known this happens because I've experienced it in my life. I can remember, maybe you've had the same experience. When the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives, sometimes just words come straight into our head. Right? And when it come out of our mouths, we wondered, where'd that come from? In fact, it's so startling, we have to stop and think about what we just said because we hadn't thought about it before, but it came out of our mouth. You follow me? Who did it? The Holy Spirit. Teaching others through us And we ourselves are the learner. You can't beat that. That's pretty amazing. And so I am beginning to sense that really what we really need to do is concentrate more and more upon being the recipient and asking for and desiring above all things, embracing our unworthiness, but desiring the Holy Spirit. Not to use it, but to be used by it. That's what we need. Um, and so I, I see that so often. Uh, back to the back of the bulletin. You will see on the first half, the top part of the back page. I like this quote. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. I'm doing that and maybe you are beginning to do that or maybe you've done it for years where you just simply talk to God every moment of the day and you're asking him to guide you. You're asking him to impress you. You're asking him to put things into your mind, put things in your path, whatever it may be. But you are now, every moment of your life is being guided and directed by God. I'm doing that more now than I've ever done in my life and I am loving it. It has brought me so much. I don't have to worry as much anymore. I used to fret an awful lot. But now I can just relax in the Lord. Now, there's a bunch of things that Ellen White said that she states that we must do to be revived. I I put them here because I thought you might like a copy of those. On the back of the page there, uh, it says... Wrestle with God in prayer. Now you remember, to be revived means the Holy Spirit is coming into your life. So wrestle with God in prayer. Those of you that have had the prayer request this morning, these are wrestling with God prayers. When your hearts are just aching and hurting. Can I tell you something? My heart has been concerned about my son. I wanted to know more and more that he is right with his God, that he's one with his God. And he's got such a sweet and wonderful heart. But he's been discouraged by church. 
Maybe some of you have been discouraged by church. <laughs> church can be discouraging, can't it? He's been too close to church all of his life, and so he's seen more than he probably should have seen. So it's been a burden on my heart. And I talked to his wife, who talks to him daily on Skype. You heard about that yet? You know what Skype is? Yeah, you can talk to people around the world and see their faces. They talk into their computer, you talk into your computer, and you have a conversation. Isn't this an amazing world? And God is touching his heart. While I am scared to death that he's going to be captured by Somalis, because he's doing a lot of his work off the Somali coast. The pirates, you've heard about that in the news? So I'm obviously scared, frightened. And he's over there in the Middle East. And so when the news comes on this last week about this thing from Dubai and this little, you heard that on the news, you know? Well, it gets my attention because he's in Dubai right now. But his wife is telling me how God is touching his heart over there. Oh, my, that makes me feel so good about how he is beginning to get in touch with people and see other people from around the world, different backgrounds, that are, their passion is to help these poor people in Africa that are being victimized right and left by other people from other worlds that are coming there and just destroying the people. You know? And he is seeing these other people that are working so hard and they are wealthy people, but they're giving up for the sake of these, these people in Africa. And this is reaching my son. And he, he talks to the local natives there. And he's getting something about how no matter how bad life is, these people just love the Lord. And I'm wondering, as I listen to my daughter-in-law, Natalie's mom, telling me these stories, as I listen to that, God, I think I hear what you're telling me. You're taking care of my son. God is so wonderful. I couldn't do it. I had messed up his life. But God can fix it up. And that is so, so important. Wrestle with God in prayer. That's one thing you can do. Pray more. Talk less. Including even preachers on Sabbath morning. Searching our own hearts. Putting away our sins. As we do these things, the Holy Spirit finds its way. Or maybe our heart gets ready for the Holy Spirit in these things. They get us ready. So I put these here because I want us to start doing more of these things if it will hasten the Holy Spirit. Putting away our sins, correcting our evil tendencies, removing every obstacle, united, persevering prayer, a deep humiliation of soul. Now this is a lady who had had daily encounters with God in her life. All the last 70 years of her life. God would wake her up in the morning. God would talk to her. Just amazing experiences. I think she's an authority on this. And she's telling us how we can receive the Holy Spirit. How we can become revived. You may want to just cut this little section out and put it on your refrigerator. You may want to put it in your prayer room or wherever it is that you pray. And start thinking about how you can apply that in your life. I think that we need that. He has shown the old man that which is good. 
And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as have a contrite spirit. Hmm. Ah, I want to live life to the fullness. And the only way that can happen is if the Holy Spirit has daily communion with me. Like evangelist Charles Finney can stop him in his path and turn him in a different direction and amazing things take place. That's just one story out of the book, you know. If we want our lives to count for something, no matter what our lives are like, if we want our lives to count for something, then the thing that we must do is have the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit will tell you to do things that your mind will say no to because they're not logical or you even think they're not scriptural. But the Holy Spirit will guide you in telling you where to go. God knew very clearly that Jesus did, that there is no way whatsoever that we can figure out how to live our lives or to do the work that God has given us to do by relying upon ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit. And so, will you join me? I, you know, we're going to be thinking about some evangelistic meetings um, um, down the road in May of this coming year. Elder Peffley has said he's willing to come and do some meetings. Wouldn't it be nice if the Holy Spirit was already here and preparing the soil? Wouldn't it be nice if it was so powerful, it was in our hearts and so evident? You know you can feel it if the person next to you has the Holy Spirit. You don't miss that. And so if the Holy Spirit is already falling, you know, Pefli is going to come to a, a room full of people. Right? Yes. And you know what else? The Holy Spirit sitting, in, they'll sit next to you and the Holy Spirit in your heart, they'll feel that and they'll sense that and they'll say God is here. And that'll be amazing things. Will, will miracles take place? Will people stand up and share those miracles? They can't hold it back. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And so I'd like to have us remember this Sabbath here in day before Halloween <laughs> in 2010, you know, and just remember that we have a mission to do. Ellen White, very discouraged after 1888 General Conference session, going around the country holding camp meetings, talking to the people, the Spirit took over through her, through others as well, and transformed the church. And now the Holy Spirit, as you've read it, shared this morning, was taking over the church. And it just grew. It didn't go down after 1888. It blossomed. The 90s were amazingly successful years in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So out of terrible defeat came a tremendous blessing. So pray with me, will you? Will you pray with me? That the Holy Spirit can come into our hearts and abide in us and that we'll take more time out of our day
Not trying to accomplish things, but getting to know and experience God through the Holy Spirit, entering our souls. He wants to do it. He wants to revive us. The prayer of Jesus still is valid. To send the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Now Jesus has some credentials. (laughs) All power, heaven and earth, even under the earth has been given to him, right? So if we're praying for it, and Jesus wants us to have it, and having it will result in such amazing things in our lives, and we will feel as though that God is using us. And what a joy that is. And then people will be drawn to God just simply by being around us. That's what I want. Let's pray for that. Dear Lord, this Sabbath, the last Sabbath of October in 2010, I pray that each one of us will make a a compact with you that we will start becoming men and women revived by your spirit. That we will take a Follow these steps, these simple steps on the back page and put them somewhere where we'll think about them and do the things suggested so that we can make room for you in our lives. Send your Holy Spirit to do the things that are necessary in our lives to transform us and to bring power to us and to others for your honor and glory. We're asking that you will bless Jack Peffley as well. We're asking you to bless our families, these individuals we prayed about today. May we see amazing evidences of answers to prayer as proof that you are coming into our lives. Forgive us for trying to do it all on our own in the times that we have. And give us more of your spirit, your sweet, wonderful spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.